This is the Edinburgh Reporter podcast, and this morning I'm with Jack Waygood. But Jack, you also call yourself Jax, J-A-X-X. So who are you and what do you do? Um, so I'm a visual artist and blacksmith uh, based in Edinburgh. Um, I call myself Jax just for ease of roll of the tongue because my surname is Waygood. It kind of uh, worked well that Jax Waygood would be easier to understand for a bit of play on words. And what do you do then? I, I, I do know that uh, the word blacksmith uh, conjures up for me, you know, ponies and horseshoes and stuff like that. So it's nothing like that. So you are going to have to tell me uh, what it is you actually do. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, so the craft of blacksmithing is now quite separate from uh, farriery, which would be to shoe horses. Um, I've been blacksmithing for 13 years, so I've yeah, gone through a variety of different avenues within the craft. Uh, I've worked making tools, making axes out in Sweden. Um, I've worked in New Zealand on the Lord of the Rings uh, TV series, um, doing film, so doing like props for hobbits and uh, orc weaponry and things like this. Um, but I've also done a, a large amount of architectural ironwork. Um, and I'm just setting up my own business now in Edinburgh, uh, doing um, a range of architectural ironwork, but also trying to do lots more uh, visual art projects. Um, so making sculpture, and I've been creating uh, these forged puppets, uh, forged marionettes, and I'm kind of looking to do uh, more performance-based artwork, and also masks, doing some kind of like um, costume design. Um, so the photo that I have, um, Lindsay uh, from the uh, the Art and Craft Collective, sent me this uh, lovely photo of all the masks and things which are. Um, so f- are these are purely decorative, are they? They are purely decorative. Yeah, I made them during the lockdown. So while I was out in New Zealand and the whole pandemic kind of hit, I came back to the UK and I was kind of at a bit of a loss of work and thinking what I would do next and um, yeah coronavirus masks really ornate uh, coronavirus masks was my um, was my project um, so I've named them emblem of the pandemic which is you know the, the mask has been quite an emblem quite a quite a game changer there's certainly a lot of different ones out there everybody's got their own version of what a mask is haven't they <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And none of them are ornate as mine, but they've been quite an interesting um, avenue to explore because I've met a lot of physical theatre performers recently um, and these people wear the mask and can kind of um, say a lot with them. So by the way that you would move with the mask, you can kind of change the expression. Although the form of the mask is very solid and rigid, you can say a lot with it depending on how you move. How you actually move. And so people can... uh see the masks up at the Art and Craft uh, Collective, but also um, they could buy them from you and put them on their wall, or what would you expect people to do with them? That's correct, yeah. So they are available to commission. Um, the process that I use is called repousse, and it's a French word to say to push, um, So which is literally what you're doing with the material. You're kind of pushing it out and then working back in on it from the other side. Um, I run courses in repousse, Um, But as you say, yeah, the masks are available for sale. Um, The series of five of of the masks that are in uh, the Arts and Craft Collective are just on display. And I kind of feel that's an important part of my practice is to make artwork accessible. 
So although, yes, they're for sale, you could also go and see them and enjoy them. And there's an artist statement with a kind of description as to each individual mask's purpose and why they look the way that they do. And, you know, apart from, um, so, so you've, you've had a bit of a, a I don't want to say a checkered past because that gives people the wrong idea, but you have, um, you've been in New Zealand, you've been in England, you're clearly from England, and, and now you're here in Edinburgh. So, so what your tie into Edinburgh, as far as I can gather, is that you were at the Edinburgh College of Art. That's correct, yeah. No, a good, a good question. Um, yeah, I did a lot of travelling. I went all around sort of Northern Europe. I lived in Italy, I lived in Sweden. Um, spent some time in Japan doing Japanese bladesmithing. Um, and then New Zealand was the last country before I moved to Scotland. Um, but two years ago, I'd applied to do the Masters at Edinburgh, um, Edinburgh College of Arts. And throughout the kind of yeah last year, I've been doing um, contemporary art practice. Um, and the reason for that was because I'd been doing so much sort of uh, traditional architectural ironwork that I really wanted to kind of open up my practice again and start making artwork and I've always loved Edinburgh and known Edinburgh quite well so it was a really excellent city to come to because it had a, a, you know a platform for artists to kind of do what I do which is a little bit well it's kind of bespoke and it's quite niche um, but people here seem to really appreciate that yeah I feel very at home now and um, I've set up my own workshop uh, in Ratho and I'm just yeah feeling my way forward. And of course, now that you've got your MA in Fine Arts, um, this is going to be your first solo show since you graduated. So that's exciting for you. Um, but going back to, you you mentioned Japan and working in Japan. Tell me a little bit about that because, you know, I, I know a little bit about Japanese knives and all their lovely metalwork and stuff. But what did you actually, what did you learn there that added to your craft? Um, it was quite interesting. To be honest, I went there for a bit of culture shock. I went there for something quite new. Um, so it was definitely a good traveling experience uh, and a real eye-opener into a completely different you know, culture and, and way of being. Um, and then I think wherever I go, I kind of suss out what's going on uh, with the blacksmiths or the metal workers, and I want to see that stuff. So I went to a region called Sakai, uh, which is where they make traditional um, blades. Uh, throughout history, it was you know a lot of um, weaponry that they were creating. So they were creating katanas and samurai swords, but they moved much more into the contemporary market. And nowadays, there's lots of chef's knives and um, various blades for, for chefing. Um, and I had a really good time uh, trying to find these shops because in the area of like the region of Sakai they have like maybe 45-ish um, knife makers and there's yeah they're all doing different things slightly different things they have an association they all get together talk about blades um, and the first place that I went to uh, the fellow was actually a little bit standoffish I felt and I, I could understand why you know I've just turned up like oh let's have a look you know Going straight into his workshop, and he was a bit sort of um, standoffish, and I, I didn't want to disrespect him in any way. So I kind of left, you know, after five minutes of a short chat with him, and I felt a bit like, oh, I've come all this way to see this stuff, and I've not really got a good look. And then um, the next shop I went into, they were just saying, oh no, he's he's just really grumpy. Like you can definitely <laughs> find Mister Happy, and he's like round the corner. So I went into his workshop, and he was more than willing to show me all around and. I actually got to forge 
forge a knife and I got it sent in the post uh, back to the UK last year. And yeah, they're amazing. If you know your bladesmithing, there's a huge amount of tradition that goes into them. And, and you, you casually mentioned in the passing uh, something um, about Lord of the Rings. Is that right? Did you mention, you, made, you did mention that. I didn't dream that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that was a, that was a big, uh, yeah, a big breakthrough. Um, I really didn't expect it. That came through traveling. And when I was in Germany, um, a f- with the professor that I was working for there, we were, we were doing architectural work. Um, but his friend out in New Zealand is a blacksmith. New Zealand only has maybe four people that could probably call themselves traditional blacksmiths. And, um, yeah, it was a completely, a spontaneous um, happening whereby I had the skills and they were looking for uh, an apprentice to help work in the props department of the look for the Lord of the Rings and all tell me tell me a little about the things you actually made <laughs> lots of chains and handles and, and strange spoons um, kind of yeah very uh, fantasy sort of uh, Lord of the Rings-esque um items uh we made cauldrons we made fire pits we made a few weapons um mainly kind of like for bespoke stuff so if they have what they call a hero shot which in the film industry is like a close-up of um of an actor and perhaps this actor would be holding uh, a mythical lantern um i got the chance to make some very weird mythical lanterns that's terrific well you really do have uh, you've had some uh hugely varied uh, experiences and here you are now um so you have your exhibition running at art and craft collective but uh what i'm really wondering about is what are you now working on you said you've got a new um a new workshop out at ratho what are you working on now and where do you go from here yeah so i've got a few smaller commissions come through um i'm creating a sculpture for a lady's garden um so also in the Arts and Craft Collective, I have a series of solid forged acrobatic sculptures, which is my kind of response to um, the demise of the entertainment industry throughout the pandemic. Uh, having worked at a lot of music festivals, this kind of work dried up heavily and it got me thinking. And I created these kind of yeah joyous representations of everybody's kind of want for excitement and dancing and energy. Um, so. Yeah, those sculptures are also um, available at the Arts and Craft Collective. And I'm looking to make more work like that. Um, That sort of style that I've been developing can be also very, um, what's the word, it can be quite transferable. So although it's a sculpture, it could easily be turned into a gate. It could easily be turned into railings. It could become something quite practical and functional for people. Um, I've got a lot of work. And on my website, you can see a real, like, variety of things and how they can be transferred so if there's something that you saw that you liked about it it could easily become a, a door knocker or some handrails to your front door or um, something more bespoke for interior lighting or, or whatever um, so yeah, currently looking for commissions I've got a balcony and some access staircase that I'm making um, which is a big job and it's going to take me four months to do but I'm hope I'm very like uh, yeah very very grateful for that because it will actually allow the business to get up and running that's good it sounds like it sounds like you you can almost turn your hand to anything um but Jax, it's been great to speak to you today thank you so much for joining us 
Okay, real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Edinburgh Report. Listen out for more episodes coming soon and make sure you don't miss any by hitting the subscribe button now. This is one of the platforms where we can help advertise your business to our listeners. Would you like to know more about that? Then email editor at theedinburghreporter.co.uk. And remember, you can subscribe to have our monthly newspaper delivered to you direct. Sign up today on our website, www.theedinburghreporter.co.uk.